I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The ultimate lie of the beauty industry is that you will actually be able to attain beauty. The reality of the situation is beauty is currency. Exactly. The eyelashes are going to fall out. The acrylics are going to come off. The makeup is going to be wiped off. Who are you? at the end of the day no but people do that oftentimes with women and they do it oftentimes especially with black women which is you've got these nice things you've got a nice car you buy you buy nice bags you bought you're a couple right. houses yeah, no, you're and right. suddenly it's well what's your financial practices yeah but no, if i right. was a white man would you question that well, you, for a lot of people when your reality doesn't match up to that which you see online it can be uncomfortable thousand percent hello and welcome to the two my sisters podcast i'm renee and i'm courtney and we are your online sisters and hosts of the two my sisters podcast now we are all about promoting the wellness growth and development of a community of sisters across the world and in today's conversation we are going to be talking about cost of living crisis okay we are going to be talking about the increase in just surviving existing trying to thrive but also that met with the social pressures of our maintenance so if you are an avid tiktoker like us okay you may have seen that there was a a sister on there um talking about how you should be spending about 1.5k gbp on your maintenance routine minimum is that monthly minimum monthly monthly 1500 pounds around 1500 dollars now that you know the The pound the pound is dropping radically but um that took a few people by surprise yeah. and by shock even the beauty girls the gurus were like absolutely Girl, not no, it's not no, sustainable no. but i wanted to come and talk about that from the social pressures of beauty and the status surrounding money how do we actually navigate wisely in a cost of living and slash economic crisis okay so hopefully this one is going to be helpful and juicy for you but before we get into it some housekeeping and some announcements live show tickets are dropping in just just a few days now for the girls who are signed up to the mailing list that means it's dropping on the 30th of september for the girls who are not signed up to the mailing list it's dropping on the 1st of october why why do you ask (laughs) it's only for the sisters that have been rocking with us there you go they're showing that they're real supporters there you go and if you really want to rock with us if you really want to plug into the sisterhood and get these exclusive perks you really need to be signed up to the to my sisters mailing list and it's simple it's easy sign up at to my sisters.com type in your email address and boom bam that's it you're gonna get the link 24 hours before everybody else hello sorry not sorry so that link will be in the show notes by simple to my sisters.com just go and do it now don't even put it off all right we hope to see you all there soon and thank you in advance for purchasing your ticket purchasing it for somebody else bring a sister bring a friend bring your mom bring your cousin whoever you want to bring bring them along it's going to be an amazing time the live show is on the 12th of november if you didn't know let's it's going to be a movie it's going to be so good it's going to be amazing so many surprises up our sleeve for this one wow 
Well. <laughs> we have spooky. Well. We have spooky. But I think that's the only housekeeping. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Aside from Vision 22, there is still time. And this one is a simple one. It's straightforward. Just yep. tag a sister that you brought into the To My Sisters podcast. That's all you got to do. And if you haven't brought anyone in, well, what are you waiting for? Just share us. <laughs> you and we'll do. give you a hundred GBP. That's it. That's literally it. Is it worth as much as it was last week? No. <laughs> but is it still worth something? Yes. yes. <laughs> in fact, in these trying times, it's, it's worth something. It's worth something. <laughs> yeah. So definitely make sure that you enter into that. But without further ado, let's get into the ding, ding, ding dilemma. Okay. Hey sisters, hey. it has honestly been a blessing listening to your podcast and your messages have really resonated with me and I've truly been touched by your words and pray for your continued success and can't wait to buy your book. Hallelujah. I know that's right. I am 16 for context and have a dilemma. I am someone who stresses a lot, especially about exams, but have very high aspirations to hopefully one day reach my goals of becoming a solicitor. I think my dilemma is how do I still enjoy being a teenager mm. I feel sometimes my mentality is a bit too mature in that I just have a fixation with doing work all the time and revising because I fear failure so much but I want to actually try to chop life as well but feel guilty that I could forfeit my dreams of being a very successful woman the kindest regards your little sister wow first of all hey sis you're incredibly eloquent <laughs> that was a beautifully very written dilemma so. and also shout out to you for getting ready Ready to buy that book just another plug for that ladies the two my sisters book is coming out yeah. sooner than you think yeah everyone's been asking actually when it's coming out so the publication date is march 2023 so it's next year however however very soon we'll be dropping that pre-order link oh. now sisters sorry before we get into the dilemma little sis we're coming just to talk some statistics <laughs> okay and you know we're all about transparency <laughs> And we too, like little sis, are ambitious women. Uh, and this is an ambitious sisterhood. There we go. In order for this book to chart, like on book, I don't know what they call them, league tables? The league tables, charts. the, you know, the best selling, <laughs> the Stop types. It. Yeah. In order for the book to chart, you know, get up there on Amazon, maybe even the Times, maybe even the New York Times, Hello. wherever it is, we need a lot of pre-orders. Now, no pressure with haste there's pressure when we drop that link please if you want to support the sisterhood in terms of reading this book because the book is really good and it we is. don't just say that because we wrote it we say it because our editor said it's you okay <laughs> um <laughs> and she's read books shout out to our editor um, Mireille yeah shout way. out to Mireille she's probably been listening to this episode yeah, gosh yeah. so we love please you. please when we drop that link please do support us and buy the book early as early as possible, as possible. um but of course we're just telling you that to save your coins the book is not going to be astronomical but as we have said we're in a cost of living living crisis and so we know that unexpected expenses are not helpful during this time mm. so just to let you know the book is coming out you can pre-order it from the end of this year so just another reason to be signed up to the mailing list Absolutely. but you know we're not going to overload your plate Absolutely. but yeah just keep your eye out we'll let you know on the podcast when it's out but please please if you can buy it in advance please please support yeah. us we really want to grow this sisterhood and yes. especially if we want the sisterhood to continue to become something that's you know a, a, a power force yeah. right so please please support us when that comes out it is a great book not even a dare i say a great book a great um book. and a beautiful book at that yeah. so we cannot wait to share it with you but please 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 we beg of you be open to receive <laughs> us too please 
But moving into the dilemma, um, I think this is a quintessential dilemma that many of us, especially as women, kind of struggle with, especially Mm. when we're younger. Mm. It's the whole trying to balance being an ambitious person and trying to invest in your future whilst also simultaneously enjoying the present. And I think it's actually something that a a lot of us continue to struggle with and continue to try and figure out the right balance of. Yeah, I think one of the benefits of being so young is you have that capacity and that leeway to really experiment. So I know that, you know, you're interested in, you know, going to university and becoming a successful solicitor, which is all super exciting and really, really cool. Like good on you, sis. And I genuinely wish you all the best on that journey. I do think there's something to be said around giving yourself some grace and giving yourself some time to like experiment with different things and meet different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, you know, um, I'm thinking about my little sister here i'm not trying to see you shake ass in the clubs but you know um i mean if if that's your forte then you know hey go ahead i mean she's 16 yeah she's 16 right depends on where she is yeah yeah depends on where she i mean there's those younger clubs anyways um but beyond kind of like going out and enjoying yourself in that respect there's also other things that you can invest in that will actually feed into this holistic idea of you being an ambitious woman Mm. i think the danger sometimes comes when we allow our academic and our pursuit of a career to define the entirety of our identity and that can actually be quite dangerous so you want to experiment in order to feed into yourself as a holistic woman and develop yourself holistically what does that look like and what does that mean that means using this whole career trajectory this whole idea of you becoming more ambitious as only an element of who you are and then identifying the other things that you want to be a part of who you want to be in the future so yes you're an ambitious woman yes you're a solicitor but what else you know like do you want to have good friendships do you want to have you know a stable romantic relationship for example do you want to have a good relationship with your family do you want to partake in any hobbies do you have hobbies that this is a great opportunity to really start developing hobbies and these hobbies don't necessarily have to be completely random and not at all related to being a solicitor Mm -hmm. you might really enjoy writing that's really good solicitors need to write well you might really enjoy you know speaking or you know just public speaking in general there's opportunities for you to think about creating content or going to debate um societies if you're going to a school that you know allows you to do that or maybe create your own Mm. this really is an opportunity for you to define okay what do I look like or what do I want to explore beyond my career Mm. who do I want to be so I think the the big thing that I would advise you to do is don't just think about what you want to do but think about who you want to be and reverse engineer it from there Um, and then you can kind of divide those two lane those into two lanes where it's like these are the things that I actually want to do that might support my ideal career. And then these are the things that I want to do because I actually really enjoy it or I want to explore if I do enjoy it. Mm. Um, So I definitely encourage that. And I'd also encourage you to really experiment again with your relationships as well. I think at your age, this might even be a good time to start speaking to other women who are similarly really driven. And similarly, they may not want to actually be a solicitor. Some of them might. Um, But this is also an opportunity to engage with other women or other sisters that might be similarly ambitious, Mm. similarly driven, similarly are interested in the kind of hobbies um, that you're interested in or just interested in that whole journey of becoming. Mm. Right. So even things like that, where it's like going out with a couple of sisters or investing in some of the friendships that you have around you. Um, And then lastly, I'll say on the practical level, because I appreciate that this is very like high level, do this, do that. And how do you incorporate it on a day to day? 
Um, a practical thing that you can do is perhaps keep a couple hours of your weekend free every single week. I know that it's super tempting to just work on work all the time, but I think it's actually necessary. Um, and my minimum is like one hour rule. So across a weekend, at least keep one hour. Ideally, it would be more, maybe like two or three hours across the span of a weekend where you choose to invest in or do something that you really love or you want to experiment. Mm. Um, so I think being intentional about the way that you uh, work with your time will also help you in experimenting in those different lanes. Mm. Um, and it also means that it's not something that you just do when you feel like it, but it's actually a priority and mm. something that you work towards. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say it's amazing that you have such incredible ambitions and I really do wish you all the best and keep us posted on how it goes, but I would definitely urge you to experiment and prioritize experimentation and prioritize trying to develop different things and, um, a number of different things that will eventually help you to become the woman that you want to be and Mm. not necessarily just the function. Um, but that's what I would say. Yeah. I think those are really good points. And I would even go as far as to say, like, you need to, cause those are really good tips. Um, but I think it's also about finding things that are not centered around productivity and even like this goal, because I do think it's amazing. And like, gosh, to be 16 and to have such a, a sharp focus on a goal is a blessing because then you can actually shape the rest of your life to get you there rather than kind of wondering about and wondering whether everything that you're doing is actually helping in the long run. However, I do think that even though you've got this amazing perspective, um, I think there is a huge role that rest and enjoyment actually plays Mm. in productivity. And so even if you dedicate some hours in your weekend or even during your week to do nothing or do something that is not really related to your goal, but it's fun and it just brings you so much vibrance. And like you said, is literally just chopping life. I actually think there's a way for that to help you reach your goal in a much healthier way for you. I think a lot of us think that success is by any means necessary mm. and it's not. And also in order to be a successful person, you don't need to use 100% of your time right. in order to reach that goal life is really about balance and we are all about holistic wellness over here and one thing you do not want is to miss your childhood or to miss your teenage years and to miss the time when you did have freedoms because you actually burdened yourself too much with ambition and Mm. I think there is an unhealthy place of ambition which riddles you with anxiety or feelings like you're running out of time or things like that and so if you find yourself creeping towards those feelings reel it in by like Renee said, actually scheduling time, scheduling in times of enjoyment. So that could be, you know, your friends have said, let's go and do X, Y, Z. Instead of you thinking, okay, no, I should actually revise. Mm. Ask yourself, well, do you actually need to revise? Now, obviously most people will be like, yeah, of course we all need to revise. But for you, you may have like done so much revision during the week that what you would do during that time when they would be going out would actually just be extra. Like it's not necessary, um, even though it would be helpful. And I think that that's a good way to kind of substitute in and be like, you know what, even though this would be helpful, it's Mm -hmm. not necessary. So let me actually do something which will alleviate some of this pressure. And it's a great way to actually manage your stress levels as well, because having such high ambitions, and I mean, the sisterhood is full of ambitious women, so we can all relate, which is 
we have huge goals mm. that's high levels of stress right but it doesn't have to be if you actually realize that your timetable needs to be balanced with yeah. enjoyment and making that a priority so not even you know okay i'm going out with my friends we have to talk about work or we have to network with all these really cool people nah just do cool things just have fun mm. laugh um and it's good to be surrounded by the right people but not everything has to be obsessive that's yeah, that's what i would yeah. say you don't have to be obsessive now i know some people especially like those in the hyper productivity space would definitely say like no you need to be obsessed with your goals if you're not going to be ordinary i get it but there's also a way to be extraordinary and unhealthy just because you're extraordinary doesn't mean you're successful mm. because you may not be holistically successful. You may find success in one area, which is your career, but you may then also be burnt out and lack a lot of the things which Renee mentioned, like healthy relationships, friendships, which you've invested in time with family and making memories um, or just being a healthy person, even physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is. And so as much as goals are important, you have to weigh up whether it's worth the cost of what you're you're paying um and that comes down to you you know whatever brings you relief and manages your stress is going to be different to what manages our stress for us and so it's important for you to really find out more and you're 16 you're finding out so much more about yourself you're finding out your your tolerances for certain things and your point of burnout and so i would just advise that you don't tip over the edge unknowingly um but yeah, just just find balance. And it's okay as well on the flip side to say no to certain things because you know you have a goal. So if you feel like, well, some parts of the enjoyment are really going to derail me off this track, mm. it's okay to say no. It's okay to have the future in mind. But the future isn't right now. <laughs> you know, there's that saying that like the future is now, but for you, it's not right now. Yeah. Like it's not imminent. Time. And also, you know what the next steps are, right? You're mm. thinking about the end, but... The distance between here and the end is full of so many steps. You've got to pass your A-levels right. or finish your GCSEs, depending on what stage you are in terms of age. Finish your GCSEs, do your A-levels and do those well. Um, apply to university, get a good degree. All of those require immediate focus. Yes, we have this long-term goal, but what's your immediate focus? Right now, your immediate focus is to finish school. Mm. Make that your highest priority to finish school well. And then maybe it'll be less daunting to have this big, you know, I'm going to be a solicitor. At 16, you haven't been equipped with everything yet. The goal is amazing, but take time there we go it's okay um and make sure i really love that advice of surround yourself with other ambitious women who are several stages ahead of you or um at the same point that you are and just talk to them talk to them about what they did how they managed their time um how they dealt with the pressure that they may have been feeling internally because you are not the only one um and a lot of your peers may also be feeling this way as well and you can actually offer each other a lot of support during this time so yeah, I've definitely natted on, but I hope that that was helpful. Um, and the advice that we've given you has been helpful as you navigate through wow. the next few years of education. And like Renee said, please keep us all updated. Email us um, at the same email you sent your dilemma to you so that we can let the sisters know how our little That's sister so is doing. We are very, very proud of you um, and we'll always be proud of you. Okay. But into today's episode. episode did somebody say cost of living hello, crisis hello, you've been hello, hearing it all hi, over hi. all over the news economic crashes Bruh. in pretty much every country in the world okay the girls are tired we are tired okay and then you Man. have someone come and say oh. 1.5k <laughs> gbp 
on a beauty maintenance routine. Now, listen, as somebody who loves beauty, love it to the core. It just feels outlandish to me. And I feel like we need to start off this conversation. <laughs> we need to start off this conversation talking about the social pressures yeah, yeah. and the social status yeah. that are attached to beauty. Yeah. Because she yeah. was talking specifically about beauty maintenance routines. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us can relate in terms of us being, you know, the sisters and the girlies and the femmes out here about, you know, getting our nails done, our hair done, the waxing, the brows, the eyelashes, the tinting, the mm-hmm. toes, the, all of it, the massages, the body scrubs, the, the even the products alone <laughs> that come with that. And then the makeup and it's like, in order to stay feeling good and looking good, but it's different for everybody, right? And I think that that's another element mm. before I even fully like conclude the question. I think mm. that's another element, which is she's prescribing this to everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But everyone's idea of beauty maintenance mm-hmm, is very different, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, let's start off there. The social capital and the social pressures that are associated with so, beauty and the beauty industry. Oh, child. Much like everything in life, <laughs> capitalism yeah. has crept in, yeah. mixed itself with patriarchy <laughs> and spewed out. <laughs> Some gremlins. Um, I, I I can't lie. I too was shocked when I saw this whole mm. 1.5K. I was like, what is everyone talking about? Is that rent? And I was like, no, no, no. Beauty maintenance. And I was just like, damn. You spending 1.5K to maintain beauty? So when you were just starting up, how much was the investment? It wasn't <laughs> like 2 or 3K. Because, you know, when... It's it kind of ramped up. Exactly. It kind of reminds me of like, um, you know how when you first start waxing or first start something or first start building up like your makeup case and stuff like that, everything feels expensive because mm. you have to buy everything at one go. And mm. then you have to think about maintenance. Mm. Um, I think... When it comes to beauty, and I've, I've seen this across different spheres as well. So when we're thinking about conversations around like salary and jobs, or when we're thinking about anything that can be commodified, mm. it seems that when we're in the midst of some kind of recession or, um, you know, we're having conversations around money, money is already an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And because it's uncomfortable, a lot of folks use that as a means to kind of make themselves feel better mm. or make themselves feel like, okay, Everybody is freaking out. This is an uncomfortable topic. I'm kind of doing well. I think there's two issues here. The first is the prescription of something that is absolutely abnormal as normal. And I think that's a symptom of like social media, our generation in general, where you go online and you see folks that are like, this is my normal and Mm, it should be yours, mm, mm, right? mm. So that's kind of like the first issue. The second issue to contend with is this whole definition of beauty. Mm. What do we deem as beautiful and what is the cost associated with upholding this sense Mm -hmm. of beauty? And I think that for women in particular, when it comes to beauty and beauty standards, I've said this before in like a past episode, but also I've written about it insofar as, The problem with capitalism and patriarchy today is it manufactures insecurities that they then profit off later. So this whole maintenance routine is comprised of waxing and comprised of, um, you know, getting your eyebrows done or, you know, getting the latest makeup, ETC, ETC. A lot of beauty trends and a lot of the things that we hold as beautiful as like the big standard can sometimes manufacture insecurities in women that they then profit off later. Um, So I think it begs the question of what do we consider beautiful and why have we attached such high price tags to it? And then why have we attached such high price tags to maintaining it? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of people that came online and kind of like, oh, you know, I, I, 
I feel beautiful with like no makeup and all that kind of stuff. And then there's other folks that are like, oh, I, I, I resonate with this. This mm. is my, my reality. Mm. I think what's unfortunate is I'm sure when the babe uploaded it, she didn't expect such a big, no, you know, definitely not. I think she's actually taken it down. Right. Yeah. She didn't expect such a big, you know, backlash and whatnot. However, it does kind of demonstrate the consequences of a, that beauty standard B, also this whole, um, the pressure to keep up with, you know, the Joneses as well. So the pressure of looking a particular way, but also it does in some ways highlight the insecurities across the spectrum in the beauty industry Mm -hmm. around this whole idea of maintenance. Um, So I think it's a shame that it came at this time as well. It did kind Mm. of feel a little bit tone deaf. Um, and it does have me thinking about just like social responsibility in general, when we come to start having conversations with like influencers or just your everyday average folk that posts their content online and doesn't expect virality. Um, so yeah, I'm one of those annoying people that are definitely, uh, it it depends. Mm. Okay. So I understand that this resonated with some people and they kind of saw the 1.5 K and they were like, okay, this actually looks like my beauty maintenance Mm. routine. And I think that that's the norm for a very specific subset of people. Mm. So you may be a high earner. You may be somebody that, you know, is very invested in upholding that particular standard of beauty. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Like you can do you, Mm -hmm. if you are happy to spend X amount on like your beauty maintenance and you subscribe to that, then that's okay. That's your, agency that's within your prerogative however when I think of say younger girls for example or when I think of folks that are actually struggling Mm -hmm. right now or when I think of folks that you know already have extremely deep set insecurities around beauty and what they feel like they're supposed to look like to come online and now see somebody say this is what beauty looks like Mm -hmm. and this is what it costs to maintain Mm -hmm. it for everyone Mm -hmm. that is extremely dangerous yeah because you first of all there was no like context that was given right with the 1.5k mm-hmm. there was no this is how much i'm earning there was no you know this is my career there was no kind of like context around this is how much i'm spending in reference to this is how much i'm earning there was also no context around like this is my beauty maintenance okay so what do you define as like beauty for you mm. it was very one size fits all So there's just so much danger, especially when we're posting things on social media, but especially in beauty, when we create a brush and then try to paint the entire canvas with that same brush, Mm -hmm. only to realize that it actually does not fit. Mm. Um, So I think it was just, it was tone deaf. Mm. It was really dangerous. It was also kind of painful. um, And it made me feel for the folks who had their insecurities come back to the surface Mm. because they probably don't fit that depiction of beauty Mm. or they actually can't afford it Mm. and yeah it was just very awkward to see Mm. but it was also sorry I'm all over the place but it was also awkward to see the backlash as well I think I guess it's a bit controversial because I I know that in today's society it's like oh okay this person was objectively wrong I hear it but some of the backlash was also harmful because I just think that we've lost the way of nuance completely There were some folk who were kind of like, you must be insecure if you spend this amount on beauty maintenance. And that's not necessarily the case, right? Sometimes people actually are just in love with beauty, in love with products, and that's something that they actually want to invest in. So I do think it was unfair for some folks who kind of came up with this extreme and extensive backlash to kind of paint this babe as you are objectively insecure. You um, are spending too much money on beauty maintenance and you are wrong, wrong, wrong. 
I also think that backlash was incorrect. They came around it the wrong way. It was some <laughs> some of these trolls. Yeah, some yeah. of these trolls were like, you ugly, you this. And I was like, damn, mm. I know you're trying to correct this, but that's not the way to correct anybody mm-hmm. online at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's conversations to be had around the other side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. which is, okay, so I don't spend any money like this on beauty maintenance. It's not a thing to me. And my beauty standard is this. Mm-hmm. I just think we need to meet in the middle. When it comes to the beauty standard, I think there needs to be more agency around how women decide to define beauty for themselves and how much they are willing to invest in that. Whether it looks like investing money, whether it looks like investing time or investing something else, I think there needs to be more leeway or at least a lot more embracing of a spectrum of beauty as opposed to a standard of Mm -hmm. beauty. That's my initial. Yeah, I know so many good points. I completely agree. I think when it comes down to beauty, there's beauty. And I I love that you talked on the insecurities that are manufactured. And I do think there's another side, which is beauty as a social status symbol. Mm. And I do think a lot of us are caught up and wrapped up. And this is why this conversation was so interesting to me as somebody who has worked in the beauty industry for a very long time. It's really interesting to see how much people do not realize that beauty in itself is a currency. Mm. So as much as we spend so much on beauty, beauty also speaks a lot in our society because of the things that you outlined, which is capitalistic values and patriarchal values as well, or standards that are set. What do you think this says about you? Do you feel like these items or these procedures or these um, treatments give you value? And do you feel like it sets you above someone else i think with this space specifically obviously we cannot diagnose anything but i think with this um situation and this video i love that you mentioned it's about trying to paint something which is very individual as prescriptive um but i do think there is something to say about while she may not have provided context just about cutting your cloth according to your size Mm. and the reason why i say this and the rest of this episode is going to be about like the financial crisis and stuff like that is despite the fact we are in an economic crisis not everybody is feeling it the exact same way some people are still soaring in terms of their earnings Mm. and for some people 1.5k on a maintenance routine chicken change like absolute chicken change there are vlogs online about like people spending 10 grand Mm. in a month or even in a week on hair appointments, nail appointments, body contouring, whatever it may be. I think as well in a cost of living crisis where the price of things are still skyrocketing and soaring up, I think a lot of people would be able to also understand how 1.5k on maintenance is possible. However, it is not normal. And the reason why we have to really hammer home that it is not normal is like you mentioned, there are a lot of people who will see that and think that is something to aspire to, right? And it's something that people can flaunt sometimes. And this is why I mentioned like the content aspect of things. It's something that people can flaunt because it is quite a sensationalizing topic Mm. um, and a sensationalizing figure. And there are people who garner attention because of their maintenance routines or how much they spend on it or what they do in order to maintain their beauty and how beautiful they are and how beautiful they are perceived. And when they become the marker of 
beauty, people will almost do anything to make sure that they look like them. Mm. And that is, you know, people who not necessarily haven't thought critically about their relationship with beauty, but like most of us have fallen susceptible to the lies of the beauty industry, um, which, and the, the ultimate lie of the beauty industry is that you will actually be able to attain beauty, but it's not actually really possible. It w- In order to, att- it, not even in order, if we all were to attain beauty, there would be no more need for a beauty industry. And this is like a multi-billion, trillion dollar industry globally. If we were not all chasing an unattainable standard of beauty, we wouldn't need to buy any of these products. We wouldn't need to participate in any of these things. And so the standard of beauty is going to be forever changing. And the cost associated with that standard is always going to be increasing, especially the more people can participate in beauty, right? And beauty maintenance. And I think it's so interesting that as much as people would try to refute this idea that like, oh, well, that's your standard of beauty. And my standard of beauty is this natural look X, Y, Z. There's still a buy-in into that because Mm -hmm. that natural look requires skincare. That's still an element of beauty. That uh, natural look still problematizes um, problematic skin or acne prone skin or whatever it may be or scarring and so there's constantly us being as women being told there is something wrong with you and that is the essence of the beauty industry now as much as we love it and there are aspects of that which can still be self-expression that can still be art at the bottom lines of the industrialization of it it is about problematizing an aspect of you. A lot of us need to question whether we do our beauty rituals, for example. Um, No, I wouldn't even say we need to question why we do our beauty rituals. I'd rather say the value we have attached to our beauty rituals. So has it gone outside of this makes me feel good into I cannot not do this if I want to participate in society? Mm. Um, Because like I said, beauty is a currency. It buys us attention. It buys us respect. It buys us um, opportunity. And so to choose to disengage from it would have social consequence. Um, So this wider conversation about, well, should you be participating in beauty maintenance? I don't think that's necessarily like the the conversation that people are having. I think the question is, is this within your budget? So everyone's going to have an allocated budget to making themselves feel good or looking good and whatever they consider to make them look or feel good. So I think the issue here isn't that she was talking about it being an amount ascribed to beauty maintenance. It's more so can you afford it? Because she can afford it simple as. So the prescriptive element is what I think is the main critique. I think the issue here is people feeling like they must then live up to that, obviously because of the pressure she applied in the video and also the pressure applied by other content showing how often people get certain routines, how often um, people do certain beauty practices, how, how often people turn over their makeup and us not, you know, because of the illusion of social media, us not realizing that a lot of people are getting these items sent to them. They're not buying it um a lot of these people are changing their routine because they create beauty content they can't show you the same beauty routine over and over and over it will get boring and so if we really had that investigative lens and then realize for us the commoners okay what would actually be normal for us we wouldn't really lean much on videos like this to tell us how much we should spend but i do think this is now where we transition into talking about well budget because mm-hmm. 1.5 for her probably is very very doable but I think there will be some people who watch that and think well that's a waste of money and so what do you think about the 
the I guess the idea of how much value we put on certain things and telling other people, well, this is how much you should ascribe to X, Y, Z. I think it's a more tricky conversation to have than first looks. Mm -hmm. And I think I'll say that because for women, beauty has been a currency for a very long time. And I think that seeing this as a frivolous cost negates the very real fact that we are living in a time where pretty privilege is a thing we're living in a time where you know ascribing to very specific forms of beauty or you know specific aesthetic ideals actually opens the doors to so many opportunities so in a way it is an investment but it's kind of unfortunate because the critique is often are your you know it's a waste of money when actually is it a waste of money i would even argue like it's actually not one if that is what you're looking for yeah so if you are the kind of person that is as mentioned a content creator or somebody that's like an influencer you're in the beauty industry or that's very important to you to access a very specific type of capital that women can access through investing in beauty in such a way then arguably that's not a waste of money for you However, if you are the kind of person whereby you don't subscribe to those aesthetics or it doesn't apply to you in the same way and you're actually more interested or you prioritize other things, then of course that doesn't work for you. However, whilst we don't want to be prescriptive, the reality is, especially for women, beauty is currency. Whether you like it or not, across industries, whether you are on a glowing and growing journey, whether, you know, the reality of the situation is beauty is currency. Exactly. So there is some part of you that will invest in your beauty, whether it be your skincare, whether it be your makeup, whether it be your clothes, whether it be something that is aesthetically bound. For women, there is a very real implication around the way that you are treated in society, your access to capital in society based on the way that you look. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's not a cut, kind of like a, it's not a straightforward answer because of those complications. Um, I think the reality of the situation is the fact that many of us do need to cut according to our cloth. And having to reckon with that is actually quite depressing in some cases, mm-hmm. right? Like for other folks, um, it may not even be the case of that folks can afford it. It's more so a case of, is this allocation correct? So there may be folks that, you know, obviously we have no context in the video. Lord knows what she could be doing to actually you know, buy into or invest in that beauty. Sis could be doing all sorts of illegal activities or she could be just, you know, misallocating her budget. I think that's why the context piece was so important Mm. because there's folks that may not actually have that budget for Mm. that kind of activity, but think it's appropriate for them to invest their entire life savings or, you know, take out loans or, you know, go through all sorts of or partake in all sorts of really, really like bad financial decisions Mm -hmm. just to live up to a standard. And I think that's just indicative of, you know, social media in general and this, um, what's the word? This watchdog-esque generation that Mm -hmm. we're in where it's people are trying to front so much that for many people, it's actually putting them in a place of financial crisis and jeopardy. Um, I've started reading a book first, like literally just the first few like pages or chapters called Profit Loss. Mm -hmm. And um, basically the author was talking about the fact that he had been approached by a woman who had been, you know, she had been crying. She was Mm -hmm. really upset. Her business had been running for 10 years, but she had not made a profit. 
And if you were to ask her, she would say, you know, business is booming, business yeah. is going well. But then when she actually assesses her situation, she realizes, damn, I can't even afford to like pay my bills for yeah. the year and all that kind of stuff. So I think the danger really is in, is this cost of beauty is this attempt to ascribe to the norm of what is beauty? Is this maintenance actually not maintaining for you? Like mm. this is not maintaining for you. Yeah, you can't eat, you can't sleep. Like there's other things that you actually need to prioritize. This is actually coming as a threat to yeah. your well-being and your yeah. sus your sustenance. Um, and I think that is also a thing that really gingers people. Mm. It's the whole I feel as though I almost have to sacrifice my yeah. sustenance to live up to this aesthetic ideal, even though it jeopardizes me now, yeah. thinking that it's going to give me access to the same opportunities. I'm going to be liked and socially accepted. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have access to the same resources. When that investment, that investment is really a sunk cost, to be yeah. honest with you. And um, Mm. it makes me think of the sunk cost fallacy mm -hmm. where it's like there's a lot of people who will invest in something expecting specific results they don't get them mm -hmm. but because they've invested so much yeah. they continue investing yeah. and i think that if the lifestyle or the context is not the same as folks that are out here tooting i'm spending x amount on my beauty rate um regimen or like my maintenance then to me, it comes across as like a sunk cost because you're trying to invest the same amount, knowing that your situation is different, mm -hmm. expecting the same results. When really, this is just causing you to sink deeper and deeper mm -hmm. into financial inexpediency, mm -hmm. into financial depression, and actually general depression because mm -hmm. you actually can't afford it. Yeah. So I think there's something to be said around context matters. Um being wise about the way that you spend your money mm. and trying to divorce yourself from the pressure of having to front at the expense of your maintenance, your sustenance and yeah. your general well-being. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I kind of dislike when people have conversations about specific numbers because I think this is a conversation about ratios yeah. and per percentages. 1.5K sounds like a lot to most of us, especially during these times, right? However, if somebody is earning 10K a month, 1.5K is 15%. Like it's not- There we go. Whilst that may seem like, well, 1.5K is so high, 15% of your salary may be a, a smaller figure, a larger figure, whatever it may be. The question now becomes, can you allocate or can you afford to allocate in alignment with your goals, your priorities, your values? Can you afford to allocate 15% of your budget to, or sorry, of your salary or your income to this expense? For the majority of us, the answer is absolutely not. Not even because I can't afford it, but more so I wouldn't want to. However, where I feel like a lot of people go wrong is they hear a figure and they don't identify that they too are practicing the same unwise practices because mm. the, their figure is less, but your percentage might be higher. Mm. Do you get what I mean? And so my my question would kind of be in terms of, not even question, my advice, sorry, would kind of be in terms of budgeting and actually navigating well in this um, economy and cost mm. of living crisis. But also this is something that can um, kind of hold you back from falling into the traps of lifestyle creep mm -hmm. is to actually mm -hmm. budget according to percentages, like actually allocating percentages of your income to certain expenses or goals or saving targets or whatever it may be, rather than specific amounts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And this way, if you do start earning more, you can start spending more. If you're like a, you know, a boss babe, entrepreneur babe, or you're working like in a really high paying field and you end up making 15 grand a month, which 
girls are out here doing, right? Women are out here doing. And you decide that actually not only to keep up with this lifestyle, but even outside of that, just to make myself feel happy or mm-hmm. to just uh, to keep up with myself, I'm going to spend 2K on my maintenance routine. That's not, I guess, relatively, that's not actually a lot for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so actually asking ourselves, okay, what's the percentage that I'm actually going to allocate? Um, and why am I allocating this percentage? And can I f- afford, like you said, to sustain this commitment to this thing? Because something that is not cute is blowing bare money on something. And then the next month comes around and you cannot afford to maintain oh, again, man. right? It's embarrassing. That's when your eyelashes are falling out <laughs> and your nails are broken. <laughs> My nail is even broken. So, hey, hypocrisy. But like, like your nails are broken and you can't actually afford to do anything new. And beauty is addictive, right? The industry of beauty is addictive. Mm. It, it's very much so about, well, I felt this high when I was all glammed up and all of the, I had all of these aesthetic things. Even if you feel like your maintenance isn't high, it's still addictive, right? I looked beautiful. I felt more confident. I mm. navigated mm. the world showing up as the woman that I wanted to be and looking like that. That is a very addictive feeling because that to a degree feels like success that feels like social acceptance that feels great to us right endorphins all the way up adrenaline all the way up right confidence sky sky high and a lot of us disguise this thing as self-care and taking care of ourselves and I do think there is um, an amazing element with beauty which makes us feel good internally and is a part of our self-care however what isn't self-care is then having to yo-yo with that and also like you said having other things about your mental health jeopardized because of this buy-in which you actually cannot afford and so actually taking time to step back and realize okay am I addicted to this routine but my finances actually cannot keep up with this addiction right and also that idea of being addicted to beauty as well and I know like even I can attest to being younger and you know learning how to do makeup and beating beating my face and absolutely loving it Mm. and then realizing that I was struggling to do certain things without makeup or struggling to do certain things um or or go to certain places without looking a certain way um and you have to really become comfortable with the fact that situations can change at the drop of a hat but also you shouldn't become over dependent on anything especially external things and so whilst these things are nice and they do make you feel good your entire self-worth and self-value should not be attached to your beauty procedures treatments Mm -hmm. and and items and products um that's a very dangerous downward spiral into a whole bunch of insecurity and lack of confidence when you take those things off because no matter what the eyelashes are going to fall out the acrylics are going to come off the makeup is going to be wiped off who are you at the end of the day your clothes are going to be put in the laundry like who are you at that point how do you feel about yourself at that point when it's it feels like all the most valuable parts of you are now sitting on the sink like that permanent makeup sis that looks terrible you gotta get get i want everybody to know that okay (laughs) microblading is calm but microblading in itself isn't even permanent (laughs) tattoo makeup i am so so sorry i'm sure there is two people on this planet who it looks good on but i can categorically tell you right now as your sister who loves you and cares for you to the person listening to this please do not tattoo on eyebrows do not tattoo on lip liner it does not age well do not tattoo on any kind of anything like don't when it comes it's to makeup, the don't eye as do well, it. you know. No, it's the eyeliner, it's the <gasps> eyeliner and like the lip liner and mm-hmm. or like shading or mm-hmm. what 
oh, mm-hmm. it's just not nice. Um, <laughs> it's not nice. And also the buy-in for these things are a lot higher yeah, for exactly. like black women and yeah. femme, like um, transgender women and femme presenting women or people who like, it feels like you need to do more in order to be socially accepted yeah. or to be passing or to be whatever it is. And I do think there's something to be said about the dangers that are also associated with that because a lot of people are investing into beauty procedures which are not only just out of their budget but dangerous to themselves. If you haven't watched our... um I think we were talking about the decline of the BBL. Yeah, if you haven't watched that episode, mm-hmm. go and talk about it. Where we were talking about how a lot of the time, the people who are pressured to buy into mm. beauty most mm-hmm. are those who are from the most socially disadvantaged yeah. groups, right? Yeah. Whether that be because of their racial identity, their their sexuality, whatever it may be, their location, their geolocation. Um, and it's unfortunate because those groups are often the ones who experience the most financial and economic disparity wherever they live. And so it's challenging because as much as you can say, like, spend this much on your beauty routine or that you even know this would be nice if I had. Because if I were to tally up, like, how much it would cost for me to look my tip top best. And I'm a babe who does a lot of my own beauty stuff. Like I said, I've worked into the beauty industry for a very long time. It would still be pretty pricey. pricey. Do you get what I mean? And so if you were to tally up that cost... Based on the fact that you should have, and this also goes to like prescribing budgets, right? Mm. Everyone's goals are actually different. But when it comes down to certain groups of people, there are some things which you could, from an objective lens, should say, you could say, sorry, should be a priority, Mm. especially when it comes to people who do not have bank of mom and dad to fall back on, generational anything. Sugar daddies. Generational anything. All that kind of Um, stuff. But even with that, like, I think a lot of us, well, sometimes with these arguments we try to poke at like well where are they getting the money from it actually doesn't matter focus on yourself and that's the problem like a lot of us are like well you don't know what they're doing it's not that it's unattainable for everybody right like people are making legitimate money out here getting paid high amounts from doing great stuff you're probably doing great stuff as well and you're just not being paid the same sit with your reality like instead of trying to poke holes in someone else's reality or trying to romanticize someone's reality Mm. as well actually just sit down with your own reality and be honest with yourself about what it means um for you right because as much as we can say well we don't know where she's getting her money from and stuff like that but you know where you're getting your money from (laughs) and you know where your where your money is sitting at focus on that yeah do you get what i mean like oh we don't know if you've got a sugar daddy but it's probably her own money and i think people do that oftentimes no but people do that oftentimes with women and they do it oftentimes especially with black women which is you've got these nice things you've got a nice car you buy you buy nice bags you bought right and suddenly it's well what's your financial practices yeah but if i was a white man would you question that oh you wouldn't do you get what i mean and the thing is theirs isn't even visible because a man could come in here wearing a five thousand pound suit which a lot of people who work in the city often do suits are speaking loud but because we don't recognize the social value of that maybe because we're not in the social context, we don't really perceive it as a frivolous spend because we don't actually know how much it is. Mm. So then when black women or a certain group of women or people come online and they're honest and they're financially transparent, they often find themselves Mm. having stones Mm -hmm. thrown at them Mm -hmm. when it's Mm -hmm. like, so should we go back into financial secrecy? Should mm. we no longer create content that is representative of a life that many people aspire to, right? It's not even like us prescript. This is not specific to this video because yeah. sis did some yeah. things which yeah. were wrong. Oh, yeah. But even outside, because I've seen like bloggers like a Patricia Bright or 
girls who talk about finance and are living a lifestyle that is I would honestly say affordable mm, for mm, them mm, mm. get criticized and people kind of drag them through the mud which is and be just so hyper vigilant on them yeah, and it always yeah. becomes uncomfortable Not for the them glass. yeah it, and uh, put them under a magnifying glass and it almost becomes uncomfortable for them to be transparent and helpful but also for them to just live their life there. i mean i hear it but i definitely think there is there are places and spaces where folks have definitely pushed on the tone deafness. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do appreciate that folks are actually out here making money mm-hmm. and we actually need that transparency. And there's definitely some folks that are a bit too pressed about how much people are earning. Mm-hmm. However, I think given the circumstance, there are like folks who do come online mm-hmm. and flex or stunt mm-hmm. in like the midst of crisis. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, okay, sis, I get that you're making money. I get that this is small for you. Mm-hmm. But given the fact that you've come from a community or you've come from a situation mm-hmm. where you, as well as anybody would know that this is probably not actually useful or helpful. Mm-hmm. I understand why some folks would be like, what was the purpose oh, of I com- this? I completely beyond understand flexing? that. Yeah. So like you have your like Patricia Bright's or like folks that are Finances is actually something that they're willing to be super mm-hmm. transparent about. And then they talk about it in the context of their budget. Mm-hmm. But then there's actually a cascade of folk who kind of come online and are like, I'm making more money than you mm-hmm. and use it as a power I play. completely agree with that. So I think there's like the space for both of them. Mm-hmm. And I think the difficulty for some people is not necessarily righteous anger, but mm-hmm. being able to deliver that critique in a nuanced way. And I think that sometimes because everything on social media can come across as very black and white, mm-hmm. folks make the mistake of painting many people with the same brush. So yeah. Cause like the 1.5 K equally again, speculation equally, if it had been somebody, you know, and we've seen it time and time again, when mm-hmm. we see like rappers, for example, mm-hmm. or like um, folks that are bought into that idea of like, beauty that have come from like humble beginnings but they're using their money or their um resources or the things that they've got as a means to flex Mm. we see that all the time and particularly for like women i don't know it just doesn't sit well with me especially in amidst an economic crisis or in amidst like the social context that the reality for a lot of people is they're actually struggling or like they have different contexts to come online and basically stunt and say Mm -hmm. and I ain't going to lie to you, for a lot of them, the financial advice is to get your money up. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's particularly helpful, mm-hmm. but I think that's distinctive from the folks that actually come online and are like, mm-hmm. yo, these are my fin- finances, this mm-hmm. is what I spend, um, and this is in reference to the percentage that I have allocated for mm-hmm. that. That is the different um, context, and mm-hmm. I think that's actually a different intention, and that's actually different content in, yeah. the, in general, in life. Yeah. But I do think that there is a lot of folks, and I've seen it not just on like TikTok and Instagram, but also on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I think it underpins the fact that money is actually an uncomfortable subject to talk right. about for a lot of people, especially when we're looking at other statistics, which talks about like household earnings, for mm-hmm. example, or how much, you know, money revolves in specific communities, yeah. how many, you know, I think there was a stat around like, how much a dollar or a pound stays in like black communities yeah. versus other communities or how much um, folks from like marginalized communities, how much, you know, is the average household making. Yeah. But then you look online and it feels like, damn, everybody's trying to start. Everybody is making this much or this person is making this much. And it feels like the numbers don't add up. Yeah. So I think there's something to be said around the fact that these contexts have definitely bred a lot of discontent, yeah. discomfort around money, but also it adds to the pressure of folks who are currently dealing with this reality that actually Mm -hmm. lines up with what Mm -hmm. the stats and what communities um, lived experiences. 
And then to come online and see somebody who, and I'm not saying that it's right for folks that come from like marginalized communities to represent entire communities, but to now come online and see somebody that you may have identified with mm-hmm. or someone that you like a lot, basically say, I'm making this amount of money. I'm spending this amount on like beauty maintenance or whatever it is mm-hmm. that I want. Um, you should too. And the way that you should do that is to get your money up. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with the Twitter thing in terms of like, how is everybody on six figures? And yet, as communities, we still lack so much wealth or the reality of the average income in the UK is well below what it seems like everybody is being Mm -hmm. able to afford. Um, I completely agree with that. I just think that as much as we can take social media as representation, it is content and it's Mm -hmm. there for entertainment. It's there for to be provocative it's there to be there are so many agendas behind it right and that's why I feel like you can't really expect much from people whose motivation you do not know um and as much as people you know flex or they do all these things and you may be thinking well communities need xyz what Mm. are you doing with your money the question then is well what did they pledge that they were actually going to do I do think there is a place to put social pressure on people to do certain things or to be better stewards of what they have but there's only a limit to how far those things can go Mm. right um and whether they actually then get enacted or whether it just becomes about dragging people and virtue signaling because if you then had those finances would you do the same thing Mm. the question is for most people i think no Mm. right um yeah that's that's kind of where what i would say about that Mm. but then i think the trouble is with the at least the go and question yeah like motivations i think we can only speculate and i think yeah i'm not talking actual... about i'm not talking about her video yeah. like I, I did say like caveat this is not about that video because sis made like a yeah. whole bunch of yeah. faux pas yeah but especially around it being prescriptive right but content that is not prescriptive but more so me showing lifestyle whatever it may be yeah um I think those are the things we kind of have to take with a pinch of salt. And I do see those videos still getting as much questioning around them. Not as much as because hers was like controversy, Mm -hmm. but like still getting a lot of questions surrounding, well, what's your sources of money or just investigative, being hypercritical. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I see that. judgmental to a degree. I see that. Yeah. I think it just begs to the whole discomfort again around money. Mm. I think... It is for a lot of people when your reality doesn't match up to that which you see online, it can be uncomfortable. Thousand percent. And I think even harkening back to the example of when you see like a white guy wearing a 5K suit and nobody saying anything about that. I think what's interesting about that example is who we allow to wear those social or who we allow or who we um normalize as having possession of things that we deem valuable Mm. so it makes me think of for example like in reverse actually the case of like the Birkin bag or the case Mm. of the um back when we were growing up oh what was it beginning with p yeah Paul's boutique or like other things where (laughs) the one with the little keychain not that those two things are equivalent in price yeah (laughs) no but who knows give it a hundred anyways definitely um (laughs) i mean not to knock anybody's hustle but i don't see a Paul's boutique they i think they do still make Paul's boutique stuff but i'm surprised man the same price as a birkin give it a hundred years We've seen crazy. The rate we that have seen, are we have seen crazy things. Yeah, true. Crazy things. Crazy. Have happened, I wouldn't put I money on it. I ain't gonna bet. I yeah, don't, absolutely I don't endorse gambling. <laughs> don't gamble into that one. I, there's other things to invest in. Like, I would prefer you invest in your beauty maintenance <laughs> than in a boutique bag. 
Um, but it makes me think of like who we allow or who we normalize to have value mm. and status, mm. um, especially when it pertains to like beauty and wealth mm. and stuff like that. So for example, when I think of like, yeah, that that situation um, and the point you're raising around like, when it is folks from like particular communities or backgrounds that we associate with like low socioeconomic levels mm-hmm. or low like money levels, mm-hmm. it's interesting how folks either question mm-hmm how did you get your money or the actual value of the thing decreases? Right. So like when I think of the Birkin bag or when I think of the, the reason why I brought up Paul's boutique is because, oh, it's high fashion, high class and all that kind mm. of stuff. But when folks from like very specific backgrounds or like when it becomes um, super commonplace, that's when the value decreases. So it makes me think of just like more broadly, how accessibility and limited accessibility mm-hmm. in of itself is a social signal and who we allow to hold those specific social signals. Yeah. And I think it's definitely a little bit of like crowd baiting and like let's all grab our pitchforks and stuff mm-hmm. because that accessibility to those specific things mm-hmm. is limited. And when it becomes commonplace, the value decreases. decreases so it even makes me think of not necessarily just the babe that's like spending X amount on like beauty mm-hmm. maintenance. But when I think of like, folks who are invested in that and invested in like buying the Birkins or like getting all of these really like fancy things that we've ascribed value to because there's limited accessibility. Mm. I think that a lot of people are, I wouldn't say necessarily necessarily say jealous, but I would say that a lot of folks are peppered. I can't find a sophisticated way to say it, but there is something, (laughs) there is something that can sometimes be a little bit insidious about the fact that people are upset when others obtain things. Yeah, when others get access to things that they can't access. A thousand percent. But that's because, okay, full circle moment before we get into the budgeting tips. With the social currency of beauty, like the thing about the industry of beauty is it runs on exclusivity. There has to be in groups and out groups. There has to be an us, them. Do you get what I mean? And so as soon as you have lack of exclusivity to something, it's it's the it's economics is done like it's not really worth anything <laughs> um anymore and so yeah it, it does look and you see that a lot with not even just like physical items like even places places <laughs> and like restaurants and countries even of, everyone's going to dubai now just dubai is still People you say, know and, and it's like what? Just because Man. other people have participation in it, like a lot of this and the social currency and the social status, sorry, that is associated with beauty runs on exclusivity. If beauty became something that included everybody, it would no longer be a status symbol. It would mm. no longer have any social capital whatsoever. It wouldn't buy you anything. Mm. Um, there's even this film that I was watching a movie recap on because that's what I do in my spare time, mm. um, where the to be beautiful, you were taxed. It, you were taxed higher if you were beautiful. Wow. Um, and yeah, very dystopian. But um, with that, you found a lot of women who were like, to be beautiful is no longer valuable to me. And so they would do everything they could to become unbeautiful. And it was very, you know, very telling about the certain things that they did. And the film was just a very interesting, like, um, I guess, commentary on society. They would do things like gain weight, put pimples on their face, like do all it, not do their hair. And it became about like no longer being a part of this group because to be a part of this group no longer had benefit. Even whilst it was still an exclusive group, it no longer had benefit. Um, And I think a lot of people just want to protect the benefit that is associated with them being a part of an exclusive group of people Mm. who can do exclusive things, right? Um, As soon as the exclusivity is lost, so is the value, so is the capital. 
Yeah. So I think that's a really, really interesting point. So I guess to cap this episode off with some actual practical tips mm-hmm. um, around navigating a cost of living crisis mm-hmm. and economic recession, not that we are financial experts. Everything we're about to say is please, purely please, anecdotal, please. not prescriptive whatsoever, <laughs> not even financial advice. Okay. Everything yeah. at your own risk. Talk to an accountant, talk to a lecturer, talk to your mum, talk to someone, not us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what practical tips would you give to people um, who may be feeling the social pressure to keep up with the Joneses or just to keep up with their their um, their lifestyle, maybe mm. even pre-economic crisis mm-hmm. um, and who are feeling the pinch and now need to kind of rejig things a bit? What practical advice could you give mm. to them? The first is get your money up. Um, <laughs> no, I'm trolling, I'm trolling. But yeah, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I'm going to no, come no, to no, I'm gonna try and deliver it in a nice way. I'm coming. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put that one to the to side. To the side for now. We're gonna return to it. No. That's not the first one. I just, that is I, so it? funny. <laughs> you, you just come in, come in I was, easy. I was thinking the exact same thing. Come I was like, easy. well, actually. Um, come in easy. The first thing that you need to do is reckon with your reality. Mm. So that means you actually might need to unplug from things. I realized that social media and like being... Um, Keeping up with the Joneses, the pressure increases when you surround yourself with the pressure. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes we can overestimate how susceptible we are to being um, influenced mm-hmm. by things and people. So the first thing that I would say is actually log off. Yeah. Stop looking at people's profiles. Stop looking at all of these. Like it's it's nice to have like a vision and like inspiration. But if you're constantly, you know, opening your phone or your laptop and you're seeing these images and you're seeing these people and you just feel like, damn, I wish I had that life. Yeah. But there is nothing in my life that speaks to being able to yeah. get there quickly or like yeah. in the time frame that I want. You have got to log off. Mm. You've got to like your favorites need to be like quotes pages yeah. and stuff like that. You need to need <laughs> financial to, advice, financial management. Mean? You need to like yeah. um, follow or like, you know, mute for just a mm. temporary season um, and really pour that energy back into you yeah. and reckon with your reality. Yeah. The first thing that when it comes to like good budgeting for me is again, what does your income is actually look like and what do your outgoings look like so i know that you know crisis is coming things are getting more expensive Mm -hmm. and you know if you're earning a salary or even if you're a freelancer like you may not be getting paid the same Mm -hmm. um you may be getting um higher bills you need to make a list of all of your expenses and a list of all of your incomings and match up the two over a a period of i would say at least a period of like six months or so just so that you have an idea of like what is consistent in my life and Mm. what is not what can i change and control and what can i not Mm. and then you need to it's only when you have an actual understanding of these things that then you feel a lot more calm because then you can focus on the things that you actually can control. Mm. So you might actually find to your horror that you're at a deficit. Mm. So if you're at a deficit, you need to think about some of your expenses. Okay, what can I cut back on? What can I minimize on um, for the moment just so that I can recover myself? You may be in a position where, you know, you've had to dip into your emergency fund. You may be in a position where, you know, you may have actually had a demotion. I know we're constantly talking about like, really positive things or positive experiences but i think there's also the 360 moment of like oh damn things are actually not good they're ah west the pressure is piling on Mm. and that's a reality that a lot of people deal with and that's okay like you just need to know that it's happening and you need to process that it's happening so that you can work with it Mm -hmm. um so when you have an idea of the this is actually the state of affairs Mm. that's when we now need to start thinking okay cool I have this vision or like I have a, you know, this is where I want to get to. Mm. I want to be, maybe you do want to be the babe that wants to spend Mm. 1.5K on your maintenance. That's Mm -hmm. okay. 
But if your reality is not speaking to that, that means there's a little bit of reverse engineering that needs to occur. And this is where the get your money up comes Mm -hmm. in. You might now have to start thinking quite critically around how do I increase my income sources? Okay, you can cut back and budget and be penny pinch as much as you like. But if you don't actually deal with the roots of the issue, which is you may not actually be making enough money to get to the vision that you want to, then you have to embrace that Mm -hmm. inner hustler. Um, I w- <laughs> I've been reading a lot of books and like listening to a lot of like other podcasts recently and just content in general around this whole idea of like soft life versus mm-hmm. like hard oh, work right. and all that kind of stuff. And what like annoys me so much is just why do we have to live in extremes? We don't have to live in extremes. Mm-hmm. We can embrace um, different elements of mm-hmm. things and embrace that nuance. I say all this to say to live the soft life, you must embrace hard work. There is no getting around it. And I think sometimes we can use the energy around getting angry at other people that are doing well. We Mm -hmm. can use the energy around being depressed. If we were to channel that more conducively and actually use that as inspiration, oh, I see she's getting her money up. Mm. Here's how I can get mine. Mm. Or like, I see that this is a, this could be a reality for me. This is what I'm actively going to do Mm. to increase my income sources. Mm. Or it may be a case of, this is what I'm going to deny myself in the short term for the long term success that I actually mm-hmm. see for myself. Mm-hmm. So I would say definitely sit down with yourself and see what is feasible. It might be that the nine to five job that you're currently doing, girl, you need to, you know, either ask for a promotion. Pick up a side hustle. Or pick up a side hustle. Or quit. Or quit. Or quit. <laughs> not not so quit. you have somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not so you can <laughs> make a leave. Don't say we told you to quit. Now you're homeless. Because <laughs> we don't have a spare room in this house. We don't house. have a spare room in this house, girl. You can stay on the couch for a maximum of a week. But after that, you can pack your you bags go. and go. <laughs> we got to keep the lights on. Somehow. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it's things like that that you need to actually sit down with yourself. And yeah. I know you want to live the soft life, but yeah. you might have to make a short term sacrifice now. Yeah. So it may actually look like, okay, cool. I'm working a nine to five, yeah. but I might need to pick up a five to eight. Yeah. It might look like a, I've enjoyed my nine to five. It's not paying enough. Okay, cool. I need to find another yeah. role that's paying better. Yeah. But it means that I have to actually step into a position of leadership. Yeah. It might look like, okay, cool. I'm not going to be one of those people that are like, oh, you know, don't buy a coffee and save up for a house. But saving, budgeting. It might be that there are certain things that you, certain frivolous spends right now that yeah. you need to forfeit in order to invest in other spends yeah. later on. Right. So it might be, yeah, you need to let go of that mocha la- p- yeah. pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, you might need to let go of, you know, that extensive beauty maintenance now so that you can invest and increase that part so that you can go back to it i think sometimes we have this idea of like when you go through seasons of hardship and you completely cut down on like certain things that you had more money for earlier on that you can't return to it and invest in it again actually no seasons of hardship are normal like and it's actually fine Um, and don't be mad that you you know you might be going through a season of hardship yeah. when other people are going through a season of um, harvest and prosperity. Yeah. I think that's also another thing. Yeah. Stop looking at other people. Facts. Stop watching Facts. them. Stop. Facts. If you, Facts. Look, if Facts. it's not helping you make money. Facts. Stop. <laughs> that's honest to God. Honest to God. If it's Stop. not helping you make money. And it's making you worse. <laughs> log off. No, I love that you started with log off because the thing <laughs> that was beautiful about, if you've watched Keeping Up With The Joneses, which is an actual film, yeah, it is. 
they were neighbors. They, unless they moved house physically, they wouldn't be able to stop. But you just need to unfollow. Like all you need to do is click a button. All you need to do is turn off your phone. All you need to do is unsubscribe. Like that's That's not from us, from them. Like, Like literally that's all you need to do. And it's quick. It's easy. You can come back. You can come back when you feel better or you have a better relationship with your money or your money is on an upward trajectory or you just feel more comfortable with your lifestyle. Um, But even not that you're not their target market, your relationship with the content is now toxic. And I sometimes think we forget, not we forget, but we do not know that our relationship with content Mm, can even mm. change. We talk about the nature of friendships changing, the nature of romantic relationships changing, your relationship with your parents changing. But there is a relationship you have with content and content creators or the online world and your relationship with social media and Mm. all these things above can change as well especially as your lifestyle and the environment which you are in changes and so do not be afraid that your favorite content creator before the same content is now triggering you there's nothing wrong with you you're not riddled with insecurity your circumstances have changed and you need to align yourself and expose yourself to things which now help you and even if it's not giving you no productive advice or whatever at least it's not harming you Mm. it's something you can find enjoyment in it's something that you know can give you encouragement or at least help you to get your mind of things whatever that may be um i think the other thing is like you said with the budgeting numbers don't lie this is something which i love telling myself being in business just navigating life in general numbers do not lie Mm. once you crunch those numbers you're gonna get an answer right (laughs) and that answer is the truth yeah whether you want to embrace it or not whether you you know don't look at your banking app for 30 days (laughs) the numbers are changing and the numbers don't lie all right so actually take time to just come to front come to terms with it you know when you put off something for so long it can be hard to rip off the band-aid but honestly rip off the banking band-aid print out your banking statements if you have a smart banking app look at your outgoings your incomings where it went to especially if it puts it into categories for you and really assess okay do I actually want to continue spending in this area and that brings me to kind of my first tip which is limit unbudgeted spending Mm. and the reason why i say that is you can actually budget for the frivolous things if you want to right if you're somebody who like you said you want to have an expense or you you need to have an expensive um beauty routine or you want to you know spend on the coffees and stuff okay find a way to make it fit in the budget and make sure that that total at the bottom is not in minus because where are you going to get that minus money from the numbers don't lie so once you crunch in those numbers find a way to make sure that at the very least there's a sum total of zero Mm. not the negative not even the positive but once you've allocated to the specific pots that you have whether it be you know savings bills rent family participation um friends outings activities net hair whatever if you have a pot for these things and you put money in these pots at least these expenses are budgeted for and you're Mm -hmm. aware of what's happening with your finances um just take time to budget for it right and if it cannot fit in the budget ask yourself a is it necessary b is it a sacrifice um is it something that i can sacrifice or c how do i afford to pay for it right it could be taking money out of another pot do that with caution or it could be stepping your money up Mm -hmm. and as much as we're uncomfortable with this idea of like well you know everyone's in you know tough situations which everybody really is now it's about okay and and actually this is not just taking the um 
the initiative to step your own money up, but even the work of community mm. now, right? And this is the last point that I wanted to give, which is not only should you surround yourself with people who not necessarily are balling, but who are financially responsible, mm. you should also do your best to participate and help other people be financially responsible or to help them make up for what they are lacking. During this time, there is a harsh reality that as much as we've sat here for the last like one hour and 15 minutes talking about beauty routines, there are people who don't even have food. Do you get what I mean? Let that reality sink in. So as much as we're pinching pennies here and there, or for some of us, it's a big deal. Not going to discredit that. We're, we're talking about these things which are, to a degree, luxuries. Mm-hmm. There are people do, do, who do not have the necessities. And there are as much as we're in a financial crisis, there are also a lot of us who can actually help those people who do not have necessities, right? right? right. Roof over their head, food in their mouth, food for their baby, like whatever it may be. And you don't need to go and do this for for people on the street. There are probably people in your life who may be struggling to even have breakfast before they go to school or struggling to pick up their kids from work, struggling to pay for petrol for their car. Mm -hmm. And as much as, you know, you may be thinking, well, I'm also pinching the pennies and the pounds. As a community, as a sisterhood, what can we actually do to help those people if we are are able no pressure but i do think there is a need to also take community responsibility to help people in our communities especially if the governments are not doing a good job especially if you know charities are maybe not allocating funds accordingly or even if they are just fully exhausted in terms of their resources and their output and their teams and stuff like that what can we then do to actually be our sister's keepers during this time? And like I said, keeping people around you who are not necessarily balling, but actually financially responsible. Because one thing you have to understand is as much as misery loves company, financial irresponsibility needs company. Mm. It needs, if somebody's going to be frivolous, they often want somebody who will be frivolous with them. Whether it's an enabler or somebody who can just participate in the activities or just be present. So if all your friends are, you know, for them, budgeting is really not a big deal, but you know, no, you need to budget. You may need to have a fine, honest, transparent conversation with your friends. And if you haven't got that kind of culture in your friendship where you can be financially transparent, mm-hmm. you might need to get some different friends <laughs> who you spend the majority of your time with. Yeah. So it's not necessarily about cutting people off. It's more so about analyzing boundaries now, how close and how um, close in proximity and how much access do you give to the people in your life who may not help you with your goals and may not even just help you, but actually pull you further and further away from the financial management that you're trying to attain. If your friends are constantly going out and they're putting pressure on you to go out and they will not refuse to understand or even let you tell them, I cannot participate. Those are not your friends or friends that you should have. Right. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. That's my two pence. We hope that this episode has been helpful for you. We hope that it has provided some entertainment, some interesting thoughts and thinkings and stuff Sending like some that. some money affirmations yeah, your way. We really are. We want I mean, prosperity in the sisterhood community. Whatever that does. <laughs> whatever that does for you. Um, I'm just praying that the money finds you, sis. Oh. I really hope it does. Or you find the money, whether that's upskilling, partnering with someone to do something, um, getting more financial education. Please, we, I think promotion. this week's... Um, newsletter we should really like send out resources Mm -hmm. like books podcasts channels which you can subscribe to who actually help with financial education we've done it before but obviously not all of you have been signed up to the mailing list (laughs) hello (laughs) sign up uh, you know right now sign up right now uh, if you're listening to the podcast early um and we'll send out like some resources and stuff as maybe as well as maybe like a link to a budgeter um because these things are best done in like excel spreadsheet but the 
the actual everyone says they're proficient in excel but is it true yeah, you don't know. Not, no. so you know all the formulas and stuff we can find you i think tony tone has a budget budget or patricia Pratt has one as well mm. so we can link that um but sis, we really do want you to prosper, but we want you to prosper as your soul prospers too. So if you have, you know, have to start curating that feed all over again, it's okay. Let's you know, Start doing it now. If we are the only people you're listening to. That's also fine. It's okay. That's okay. You know. We'll Obviously, we encourage diversity of thought, but yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, start with the core. That's a thousand us. percent. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, if you haven't plugged into the two my sisters community, into Ooh. the sisterhood, definitely make sure you're following us on all social media platforms from Twitter to Instagram to LinkedIn to Facebook, wherever you want to find us, we're there. Trust me, on yeah. TikTok too. If you want to follow us, our handle is going to be to my sisterhood. Just type in at to my sisterhood and you'll find us. But if you want to follow us individually, follow our life journeys, follow our growing and growing processes, then you can. The lovely lady over here is at Renee Kapuku. And I am at CD Boate. Absolutely love to see it. And of course, I mean, we've been plugging it for this entire episode. The mailing list. I don't want to stop embarrassing me, sorry. (laughs) You didn't see anything. Y'all did not see nothing. <laughs> um, please follow the mailing list yeah. for glowing and growing tips across a myriad of different spheres from your spiritual, mental, and of course your financial health, which yeah. seems to be quite dire in such, <laughs> such times. So please, please, please sign up. And of course, if you do need some help on the therapy side, mm. because Lord knows that this is a very stressful time yeah, for all of us, betterhelp.com forward slash to, to my sisters. sisters. Yeah. Get yourself a cheeky something something because yeah. we know look actually make some yeah for there real if you want to start your if you want to start your <laughs> therapy journey during this time then you can make use sure. that link to save some money off of your first month but one thing i will say on a serious note is financial stress is very like dangerous yeah, no, like it, it can be very very painful it and it can so many have, relationships and exactly, households exactly and it ruins so many people mm. so if you do feel like you are really struggling and you know past watching the finance content you just can't get a hold on your finance maybe you're in debt like really in debt yeah over the pandemic or just life in general has knocked you some blows and you've had to borrow and you just don't see your way out of it please not only talk to a therapist talk to a financial advisor Mm. call your bank like get educated on certain things um and, and just get the help that you need you really don't have to do finance alone yeah um, and as much as people are uncomfortable talking about money and people feel like their financial journeys need to be independent it's okay to talk about money with people who can help you for sure for sure in fact it's necessary that yeah. you speak to somebody because you can't stay in the red by yourself for that long so yeah, it's, it's time to come into the green please please please, please, please. we want to see positive balances only yeah. in our bank account do not suffer in silence that's a great oh nah my whole bra is actually doing entirely too <laughs> we much we gotta wrap up this Sorry. episode real quick can't be giving um, y'all <laughs> only fans can't say t- hey we gotta put this behind paid paid, paid war <laughs> but sisters thank you for sticking around we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will be back next week with yet yeah. another episode so until then keep glowing and growing Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 